Okay, everybody, here we go. Shkunk! I'm Zach. I'm Riff. And I'm Kevin. And it's time for episode number 163 of Video Games Hot Dog, the podcast about video games. The podcast about video games, gentlemen. We've yeah, won the title. You would think that there would be some other podcasts out there that would talk about this cultural phenomenon, yeah, but no. Video like games are pretty popular. We can't be the only white dudes with microphones. It's possible that we are, right? Because magnets are hard to make. How do, how do they work? Ha! That's a cultural reference from like a year ago. Yeah, it was pretty timely. I, 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 I lulled in my seat in hilarity. Yeah, I could sell. <clears throat> I could see Riff. your pocket mouth moving. Mm -hmm. Do you have any better jokes mm -hmm. than Kevin's jokes? Ah, wow, not on short notice. I could tell you the one about the skeleton going into a bar again. How does that <laughs> one go? Mop. Skeleton, uh, skeleton goes into a bar and he asks for a beer, but the bartender is just a pile of loose skin and organs lying on the floor so he can't reply. And the skeleton says, oh, yeah, I forgot about that. That's pretty good. Yeah. Where's, did you make that joke up? Uh, yeah, that was I, that was a joke I wrote for a KOL thing. I don't know if those if that set of jokes actually went into the game or not. All right, it was the yeah, when the funny bones. Uh, yeah, do those do those make jokes? Yeah, they do. Huh, when you I, use when you use a funny bone, uh, it makes you angry about skeletons, and then that gives you plus damage against skeletons. <laughs> maybe maybe the people on the wiki just haven't bothered to write them in yet. Yeah, we're in decline. <laughs> like the Roman Empire? Yeah, and our, our biographers have stopped paying attention. That's the first sign that a civilization is in decline, when people stop writing down the cool skeleton jokes <laughs> that that culture produces. <laughs> have you done anything interesting in the last week, Riff? Uh, I have spent almost entirely the last week doing uh, Maze of Games. I would. I have also been doing that, but it has not taken up very nearly the entirety of the week. I, Are you done with it? You no. finished it? Oh. No. I, I'm I'm uh, about a third of the way through chapter two. I eventually decided that, like, originally I, I wasn't going to write in the book because I got the really expensive leather-bound edition. Uh, but I was thinking about it, and I was like, well, kind of the part of the fun of doing a book of games is writing the answers in the book. And if I'm not going to take advantage of that, then why did I pay all this money to get the nice edition of the book? Yeah, I would have probably gone through a similar journey yeah. uh, in my thinking about it. But luckily, or unluckily, I mine was delivered to Arizona, and all I had was the PDF. Ah. So I've just been printing out the pages of the puzzles. And I also realized that I have just started skipping the actual text. Huh. The actual I, text is, yeah. He, he's, he's real good at writing puzzles. And I don't want to say a bad thing about him, but... <laughs> did, did he write all the text, or was it... I think so. It somebody isn't, else. It isn't bad. It's, it's not it's bad. Just, it's just... It's like the text that you would find in a fairly uninspired, like, fantasy game book yeah. from the yeah. 80s. Like, it's just not important. It, what would be nice is if... The, so, that what we're talking about is a product called The Maze of Games, which is a novel. Mm -hmm. It's novel. It, is it a novel? <laughs> It's it's like a D and D source book sized book. Um, you can get it where, on the Penny Arcade store, I think. Oh yeah, is that where it is? Yeah. So for a given for a given uh, section of it, like the left page of a spread is some story, and then the right page of the spread is a is a puzzle. You there is an initial puzzle for each of the four sections to determine an ordering uh, for the other puzzles that you solve. 
Um, and then there's a sort of a meta puzzle centered around those. The puzzles are not in my ex- in my experience particularly hard. They are a little harder than than like a sort of baseline games magazine they're, sort of puzzle. How far are you? I am like ten twelfths of the way through the first section. First cha- Okay, they they do start to get harder in chapter two, so I, I imagine they. They get progressively difficult throughout the four chapters. Do you think, like, would you describe them as significantly harder? Not yet, but noticeably harder. Because I I wonder if he's staying with the the sort of MIT mystery hunt style meta puzzle guideline of you don't have to actually solve everything in order to be able to solve the meta. Hmm. Did you need all of the all of the answers from the first? Uh, sections puzzles to solve the meta i did not bother attempting to solve the meta until i solved all the previous puzzles so i don't know well when you look well, at but it could yeah, you, when could you, you did solve it, it could like bits think about it. don't tell us how it worked but <clears throat> think about it and uh, think did you need all of them or no nah, yeah you're probably right you could probably figure it out based on having any most, one most of any them. one answer <laughs> you could probably get it with from one to three missing ones, I'm going to guess. It is interesting that ev- since every puzzle is like, a, so far it's been a traditional-ish kind of puzzle. Although nothing very like specifically and exactly that I have seen before. Um, there's one puzzle, for instance, where it gives you a bunch of just phrases. And what those phrases are is the anagrams of the names of two weapons <laughs> that fit together in a cross and you're given the grid in the way that they fit together but the letter that is in the cross is missing so you have to figure out what letter you can add to this twice that that lets it anagram into two weapons and then what you're solving for is the do the, they explain the, how it works? They do. They oh, do. Interesting. And what you're solving for is the so the MIT the, mystery hunt. Version it wouldn't explain. It wouldn't, wouldn't explain, explain it at all. Yeah. 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 Um, maybe it would give you the grid or not. Maybe it would mention weapons obliquely in the flavor text. Maybe not. But the the answer to the puzzle is just the crossed letters. So it's just the ones that are missing. Right. But like they're words, and so once you've gotten a few of them, and there can really you figured out what the word is, then you know what the cross letters are in the other ones because the indexing is provided for you. Oh, so wow. that becomes sort of instrumental in solving them, <clears throat> like knowing that they are going to yield a word and figuring out what the word is right. becomes an important part of being able to actually comprehensively solve them. Huh. Yeah, there have been a couple in the in chapter two where I couldn't figure out one of the one of the clues before I knew what the final answer was and then could back solve with a little bit more information for that clue. I wish you were doing this along with us, Kevin, because this is this is your bread and bacon. Yeah. I mean I I backed this Kickstarter at the level where I only got the ebook version of it, which has not been released. So Well but it's like the Puzzaz version, not like right. cause we got just PDFs of it, which right. I would refer to that as an ebook. Yeah. Been wasting a lot of toner. Cool. <laughs> or rather, I've been using a lot of toner. Do you, uh, if, well, you probably don't have a decent stylus, is the thing, because I wouldn't want to do it with just a finger. But if you have the, 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 um, what is the name of the app? The iPad app, um, Goodreader. 
annotator. Good reader is, is year of the potato. What I use that that just lets you just write on PDF. Yeah, you just write directly onto a PDF. Hmm. That's pretty handy. That's that's <clears throat> what I've been doing is uh, using solving in the PDF as like a workbook, and then once I've solved a puzzle, I inscribe it very neatly into the oh, actual wow. book. Riff. That's just vandalism. That's not even. <laughs> that's not even using it for what it is. It's, oh, it totally oh, is. It's I'm, I'm I'm submitting my final answers. Are you doing it in calligraphy? No, so you're just that would ruining the physical long. version of the book for everyone who comes after you. No, I'm making it. Well, who's gonna? I'm not gonna give it to anybody. It's mine. What your children? It is your, your grandchildren. <laughs> I'll I'll make them another copy of the PDF. <laughs> okay. You'll print it out and buy. What you will do is you will press the button, produce a leather-bound version of yes, this PDF. That will probably then, be yeah. a- available by then. Yes. Your your replicator will just will just shit it it'll out. It'll grow and then, a cow. Yeah. It'll and slaughter then, the cow. Yeah. It'll. <laughs> and then, like forty seconds of your lifespan will be transferred to Mike Selinker. <laughs> like, and that's that's how all payments will work. Yeah, having having uh having the having the answers in the book makes it like like uh. Like our, our buddy Dr. Dake said on Twitter, it's a nice trophy for the trophy case, having it fully solved. So you're actually com- like comprehensively solving all the puzzles even after you've figured out what the word that falls out of it is? Yeah. I have also been doing that. Um, I don't know that I would stick with that if it was really hard. <laughs> and or if you were trying to do it in a timely manner, like in the mystery hunt. Oh sure, yeah. I'm I am very much enjoying doing a couple of these puzzles a day. Yeah. Um I would happily like sit down with you and work on one if you wanted to, but I feel like you're also just solving them on your own so you don't need anybody to help. Yeah, that might change as it gets I looked at the room. ones in the in the back, the ones that aren't part of the actual You story read the last page. No, I didn't read the last page. I, I flipped through I th- flipped through the appendix which was the the stretch goal puzzles made by other puzzle designers the cornucopia or whatever yeah the cornucopopedia or whatever and uh there's a there's a Dan Katz <clears throat> duck conundrum in oh, there oh god damn so it I, I i haven't i haven't read it yet cuz i'm saving it but i'm i'm eager that shit is I hate ridiculous. those things. Oh, you yeah. don't like those? Those no. are great. No. no. Uh, so the way that it, th- those things are best solved with like 10 people usually because it is so hard to keep track of like the states. If reality had save states, it would be okay to <laughs> d- describe describe Kevin a Dan Katz duck conundrum. So they've they've probably been what six of these now in different mystery hunts. Like every year that he's on the team that's writing the mystery hunt, he'll write one, and it is <clears throat> the most complicated like logic sequence instruction puzzle you can possibly imagine. It's it's yeah. like it's all just spelled out. Yeah, like it's not. Yeah, there's yeah. nothing. There is nothing that you have to solve. Really, it is just. Your goal is to follow these instructions, and the challenge is that the instructions are incredibly difficult to follow. Yeah. And it's, there's like things like, oh yeah, ignore the thing that I said three steps before. So you like have to read the whole thing through and make sure that you understand every step yeah. and then and, and then there's, there's just there's like a lot of different states that you yeah, have to keep hundreds track of, of and, hundreds of things that you and, have to track and and uh <clears throat> events that will occur like if 
if such and such happens at any point in time while you're following these instructions, then skip over to this instruction. Yeah. And yeah. So the, the ordering is, is like you have to remember all the the, the, the potential like go-to steps and stuff. It's, yeah, it's that out is, of control. From my point of view, just the opposite of fun. Oh, I love them. Huh. <laughs> hmm. Well, I think we've learned a lot about ourselves today. Riff. <laughs> Did you play a lot of... Candyland as a kid. Uh, I don't. I wouldn't say a lot. I think I. I probably played as much as the next kid. Why do you ask? I played zero. So if I'm the next kid, you're a liar. <laughs> so I guess that's my like. So Candyland, in its sort of elemental form, is a similar kind of thing. It's not so much a game as like a just follow instructions and and follow what the randomizer tells you to do. Hmm. Right? Like what the what. What this randomizer moves you around the board and then you just follow the board's instructions. Right? Like I do like following Lego instructions. I also like following Lego instructions. I as a kid, Legos were an avenue for creative expression for me, but now that my job is constant creative expression under the scrutiny of 10,000 assholes. <laughs> I very much enjoy just following instructions and I'm, putting models I'm imagining a, like a, a magnifying glass, like a, like a Sherlock Holmes magnifying glass, just stuck in an asshole, just examining everything. It's Ugh, good. Like yeah. a porthole. <laughs> kind of. But then I, I was imagining the, the assholes holding it like, a, like oh. with the handle, but <laughs> oh, okay. where's, Sure. Where's the eye? <laughs> okay, that's the the brown one. The third eye. It's the th- yeah, Jesus. But that's not that's not how you use a magnifying glass. <laughs> no wonder you're blind. What? I had to look at two things really closely. <laughs> um. Yeah, Maze of Games. It's good. I like it. Yeah. I, there are things about it that I wish were more. I wish that there had been a version of the PDF that was more sort of optimized for print because there are a lot of, like the two of the puzzles in the first ones are sort of uh they're like crosswords with no black squares like they're they're there are like bold lines in but I don't there's got to be a name for this kind of crossword it is not gridless but right. oh. it is it is a grid Instead that every the- letter every letter is filled in and there are just yeah. walls rather than there being pillars that block the words but the there's a background color and like a watermark sort of insignia on it mm. that makes it very difficult to read pencil against uh, it when it's printed well, you should be doing all these in pen yeah i guess that's probably true those I think I actually completed without making any mistakes, but a lot of the puzzles I did not. I mean, a lot of the puzzles you want to be able to write down things with like a question mark next to it. And there isn't always, you know, a lot of the puzzles like you have to write a letter, but you have to write it really small <laughs> um, if it's printed on a normal sheet of paper. I I tried to do the New York Times Sunday crossword this past week, and it was super hard. Aren't the Sunday ones always super hard? No, they're variable. Well, to you, you're a puzzle prodigy. <laughs> yeah, it's no. like the the Sundays are the Sundays are harder because they're large, not because they're difficult or something. Well, yeah, the Sunday ones also be have like a Wednesday trick. difficulty, but right, larger. This right, one was right. just like just surprisingly tricky to get like a, any headway for like like because Melissa and I will sometimes go and like 
drink mimosas and try to solve the Sunday New York Times crossword and like we've they're, done it three or four times and it's been fine. It's and then like this past it's time like we just wake and baking, headway. but with champagne. It's like what? It's like wake <laughs> and bake, but with champagne. Sure. Uh, yeah, it's also one of those addicts. things where it's it gets harder the more mimosa you consume. Sure. This is like your friend who gets stoned to do his taxes yep. so that it will be an interesting <laughs> challenge yep. rather than some boring drudgery. <clears throat> yep. Which, see, like, and if Riff was excited about doing the duck conundrum, but while high, then mm-hmm. maybe I would understand it. Sure. If he yeah, found the duck would... conundrums, mm. if he found the typical duck conundrums easy, I can't imagine that they let Dan Katz swing his entire dick at this puzzle. Like... They have to have told him ease off a little bit there, killer. Who knows? These are all these are all optional things, right? The so the 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 brief look I gave it at like the first few instructions looked like something you could do one person. Oh, okay. It, it did not look as bad as some of the MIT ones. Anyway, this is a fun product. It's a Kickstarter that delivered its yep. payload of fun. Like a year late or into whatever. all of it. Oh, was it a year late? It's like it's like 11 months late or something. You know, I basically late. never look at the... It's, yeah, I just have stopped because you just can't care. Because yeah. everything takes more time than people think it will. And it's also... You know, it's weird. I, I do... So I have I have the utmost confidence that the... What did I buy? I bought an expansion to a game that I did not own. Uh, okay. By uh, this guy, Jamie Stegmeier, who's the guy who made Euphoria. Uh, which okay. is a board game that I like a great deal. I am confident that his board game Kickstarters, which are the third and fourth ones that he have has done, will deliver on time because he does know what it is like and how long it takes. Sure. Once a game is already comprehensively designed and the art is all done and it's already play tested and everything, he knows how long it takes to manufacture <clears throat> and get it shipped. Right. And so I believe that his will be finished on time. If it's somebody's first attempt to do a thing, then like, yeah, it's. It's a wonder any of them get finished at all. I kind of like to not know when they're coming. Like, I don't want to get my hopes up about getting a thing in a specific time frame. Although, I very much hope that our fucking sweet-ass laser tag, except with swords things, shows up by Christmas. So oh. that I have a present that you already know about to wrap up for you. <laughs> um, but I like Kickstarter as a, I'm buying myself presents in the indeterminate like future? 3d 10 months <laughs> like <laughs> and so i don't ever want to stop backing stuff because i don't want like three or four years from now to just suddenly be like you know i'm kind of sad and i don't exactly know why and have it be because i just stopped randomly getting shit in the mail at odd intervals based on when i back things on kickstarter um a, uh, a sort of a acquaintance of ours in uh, phoenix has made a card game that he just kickstarted that Funded within a couple days, but uh, it is called Teratozoic. Oh yeah, um, that's the one that's game. a lot like the the. You guys apparently had very similar ideas. Ah, uh, yeah, it's got it. It it shares a it shares one of the uh, sort of central mechanical conceits with a, a robot game that I've been working on for a while. Um, but it's 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 different. But this this and game is for humans to play, whereas your yeah. game is for robots. To <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Mine, I the instructions were too complicated for a person to comprehend. It's just designed to be played by computers, which I don't know why I made it a physical card game. Um, <laughs> to make it a challenge. 
<laughs> but yeah, it's no, it, it looks it looks good. You make you make monsters out of uh, out of pieces of monsters that are on cards. It seems pretty cool. Anyway, I I backed it. Did you? No, not yet. Maybe you did. I don't know. But you should, because he's a cool guy. Um, I went to an amusement park. Oh yeah, yeah. I went to California's Great America. It's huh. like a it's a weird stadium. It's like Great America by Staples Coliseum. Isn't it California Adventure? Qualcomm, Great America. Qualcomm.com. The land of arenas, the free. <laughs> Great America. I think it used to be a Six Flags because I think Great America used to be a Six Flags thing, but now it's California's Great America as opposed to Six Flags Great American California Adventure. Great Great Knott's Berry Farm. Anyway, land. I should not have gone to this amusement park. I had fun uh, because I was hanging out with people and talking and stuff, but it's a like a very roller coaster heavy amusement park, and I'm not going to ride any fucking roller coasters. Why I, is that? Emma sissy uh, because I was traumatized by being forced to wait in line for hours to then be terrified by Space Mountain as a kid. And it just put me off of roller coasters. More I feel like I've forever. been on roller coasters with you, though. I will go on ones that I know are not a big deal. I also went on the fucking crazy New York, New York roller coaster because Emily made me do it. And I said and she stuck to this. I said, if I ride this. I don't ever want you to make me ride another roller coaster ever again. She said, I promise I will not. Because if you do this, if you ride this with me, I will never pressure you to ride another roller coaster ever again. And she didn't. Huh. So far. But this would have been a really good opportunity for her to pressure me to ride (laughs) seven or eight different roller coasters. There was a water park that we didn't go to. At the same park? Yeah. Huh. Yeah. Just right there. Just integrated with it. Those two are not really compatible. Yeah, they're really not. They're really not. I mean, I guess you could, you know, well, I'm already, I already just went on a water slide. We could go ride the log flume now. Sure. It was a, I I don't know. Disneyland spoils you. There were, the park was divided into different regions. Mm -hmm. There was like, you know, the New Orleans section and the American section, even though it's all America. The water park was Australian themed like they are. Crikey. Um. But the sections didn't really have any identity to speak of. You could not tell which one you were in. Huh. Um, there was no color coding? Looking around. Well, there so, was no... So what made it the New Orleans section then? It said that on a map. Huh. <laughs> and that was basically it. You couldn't... That wasn't like the, the rides were called like the Hurricane and you, there was no sort of, Ooh, sort of bourbon Ooh, that was in really poor taste. There was a ride There's called... There's a drink. The drink of New Orleans is called a Hurricane. Yeah, and, and real New Orleans establishments have stopped selling them out of solidarity and respect for the victims of Hurricane Katrina. Really, about half of the bars have have made an ideological point of stopping doing that. Gosh. And the other half have made a competing a ideological down. point of doing it anyway. It's a good thing I yeah. didn't make the joke of wondering if the New Orleans section was where the water park was. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, okay, so th- then this other bar, like, doubles down. They serve a hurricane, but it has an ancillary side drink that is like a bunch of smashed hovels. It's like... This shot is called the Smashed Hovel, and you drink a hurricane, and then, like, 40 Smashed Hovels. <laughs> yeah, you can't drink one without the other. And they won't sell them to you. They make you mortgage them. <laughs> and then, <laughs> after they've been destroyed, it's like, no, you still owe us the money. 
you're sick insurance out really, to drink that's at that bar. Generally, how drinks work. <laughs> like <laughs> if you if you buy a drink and then drink it, you can't be like, oh, I don't have to pay for that. It doesn't exist anymore. <laughs> It'd be a pretty good scheme, though. If you could if you could talk a bartender <laughs> into that, yeah. to prove that you gave me a drink. <laughs> I mean, that most places where you eat food, you pay after you eat. Right? Like, yeah. Well, places for rich people, places where they really, it's extending credit to everyone who walks in there by serving <laughs> them food without making them prepay. You know where you don't get that? McDonald's. It's true. True. That Chinese, is true. You know where else you don't buffet. get that? Popeye's chicken. Do you pay? Oh, no. Yeah, I guess you're right. You pay after the buffet. But you, well, don't, you get the you, food, but you don't eat it, right? You, 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 you're not paying in proportion to how much you eat. Is the difference? Hmm. Indian buffet. There's an Indian buffet. You sit down and they like go eat and then you pay afterwards. Yeah. yeah. There's like the first cafeteria style where you you pay on the way in you, and then you just get a tray. And then there's yeah. the uh, yeah. There's there's the sweet tomato sweet style, which is sort of a hybrid. Yeah. You get some of your food and then you pay and then you can get the rest of your food. Yeah. <laughs> half and half the money in advance. And yeah, it's like you're you're sort completion. of deposit. Well, it's like they're giving you a food deposit on yeah. your investment, right? <laughs> it's like they're delivering and then you're half gonna the make food a deposit you later. <laughs> Uh, anyway, <laughs> so that was that amusement park. There were three arcades. I was sort of excited because there were three arcades, but then I was less excited as I went to each of the three of them in turn and they all sucked. Uh, what uh, what is it? What is that at a, an arcade that sucks? Oh, a lot of ticket redemption machines. I think every one of them had a, t- a copy of Terminator Salvation. Huh, okay. Just, they must have made a million of those cabinets. Yeah. Every movie theater has one yeah like basically if you go to a place now and it has one video game it is that terminator salvation game do you think they sold them real cheap i don't know well i don't understand why they would have manufactured as many as i've seen that like i would not have thought that the global north american market for any particular arcade cabinet maybe would be as large as the number of those that i have personally seen maybe they gave them away to movie theaters free when when they got that movie yeah, I'm wondering if that's a thing. Yeah, okay. Some sort that of weird promotion. It could have been thing. a weird promotional. Because you could probably make a lot of those for the insane marketing, for a fraction of the insane marketing budget of a, of a movie like that. Maybe, yeah. Because if you're spending tens of thousands of dollars on billboards, maybe you spend a million dollars making, I don't know, how many how many of those cabinets do you think you can manufacture for a million dollars? Hmm. Let me make a Kickstarter and we'll a find thousand, out. A thousand? Do you think you could build one of those machines for a thousand dollars in that quantity? Probably not. But if the marketing budget, the cabinet was, itself is probably like in in mass is probably like fifty or a hundred bucks without. But just you're talking about just the just, just the, the physical wood. cabinet, and then I have no idea how much the hardware would cost. So I think a thousand dollars is probably reasonable. Yeah, that sounds. But there are possibility, and then you've got ten, like the tens of thousands of movie theaters in pro, the country. You also have are like there programmer yeah. and artist. We're never costs. right about this. Remember when we were trying to figure out how many Starbuckses there were, and I was like, "There are four hundred billion Starbuckses," and you said, "No, <laughs> I'm pretty five. sure there are five Starbuckses." Yeah. And I'm like, "All right, well, I bet the real answer is somewhere in between those two. Um, that also seems like a weird number to try and arrive at. This is like a Google interview where they say, how many movie theaters do you think there are in the United States? And then they don't care if you're right. They just care how you think about how to get there. 
There in 2012, there were 39,056. Okay. So only $39 million at $1,000 per Terminator Salvation arcade cabinet. Yep. You know, and I'm pretty sure the advertising budget for that movie was like $9 trillion. There are, there were only 606 drive-in movie theaters in 2012, a number that has been steadily dropping for the past two decades at least. You know, I was excited to find out that there was a drive-in movie theater within an easy drive from my place when I first moved to Phoenix, and in the 15 years that I lived in Phoenix, I have been there twice. I've been like four or five times. Have you? Yeah. Almost always ever been to on dates. Almost always on drugs. Well... It's because you, you, you take you the truck, you take a truck, you take a pickup truck, and you fill the back with a with a, an air mattress. You fill the back with a with a slurry of mashed potatoes and LSD. <laughs> <laughs> oh. oh, that is so good! Oh my god, <laughs> I don't know that it is. <laughs> it would feel awesome. I'm pretty oh. sure. Like warm, like warm a sort mashed of a- potatoes that also like start glowing in different colors after yeah, like half an hour kind of like a mashed potatoes based sensory deprivation chamber yeah also sensory deprivation and also freak out yeah because i don't know having like sticky stuff all over you would be bad news i think on a head full of acid but it's not sticky mashed potatoes no, aren't but it's sticky. all like pasty and clingy and I guess it depends. Are are we talking about like fancy homemade by your mom whipped LSD <laughs> mixed mixed with the shitty instant mashed potatoes that are clearly the only option? And I'm not trying to spend like a thousand dollars. I'm not trying to spend like a Terminator Salvation arcade cabinet <laughs> amount of money on this truck full of mashed potatoes. How much do you actually think that it would cost to fill the bed of of the work truck with mashed potatoes? I don't. I don't have any sense. I'm. You're, you're reminding me. I bet me- the LSD would be more expensive. I think oh, the yeah. LSD would be way. It would definitely be much more logistically complicated to come by. You're reminding me of these weird promotional events that happened at MIT while I was an undergrad. <laughs> if that if this reminds you of that, they must have been pretty weird. Well, so Apple came to MIT and they had a contest where they would give away a, a an iMac, one of the, like the first like, you know, sort of candy colored iMacs. Bondi, yeah, kind of iMacs to the best representation of an iMac that someone could make out of jello. Huh. And so we spent a good we spent a good 2 or 3 hours like like trying to like construct something out of jello and we had something that looked okay and then we didn't win it. And then like it was a year or two later, they had another contest where, um, they gave away one of the first like, uh, Mac cube things. I forget what those were, if those had a different name. Yeah. Um, but the ones that were just like the weird boxes with no monitor or whatever. Um, yeah. and they were giving away the, to the, to the best representation of that made out of ice. Huh. And so we spent a bunch of time trying to make that as well. Um, so th- this is just a series of stories about you failing to, yep, to, to, do to, to win a prize, but, but both times after we lost the competition, we took the, the failed object and then dropped it from a great height to watch it explode. On the okay. Ground. Nice. So then did they ever do uh so that we'll give you a, a power book. We'll give a power book to the person who makes the best uh simulation of a power book made out of sodium and then <laughs> drops it into the charles murdering be- generations of fishermen 
for for decades to come. Are you saying they they would be drinking the river and it would become too salty and they would get uh, hypertension? Yeah, is sodium not, sodium is the thing that it does it explodes, but it's like instantaneous. It's not like well, no, because chunks of it washed up and burned somebody, and well, then they had to stop doing it. Well, okay, generations yes. later, chunks of it burned the like after the apocalypse. <laughs> these tribal fishermen just digging through the ruins of MIT discovered some of the sodium right. and were burned to death. I think you're spoiling some plot points for the next Fallout game. Oh, yeah, yeah, that does take place there. Huh? Man, if there's like a weird... If there's references to the sodium drop, that's going to be weird and cool. I feel like that's going to be the Fallout that finally makes you play a Fallout. Yeah. because yeah. well, I mean, I want to play all... The, no, I want to... No. It's full of... It's full of... In, if it's full of in-jokes to MIT that only you get. Yeah. The brown building from Lurking Horror. Speaking of which, uh, uh. video games. Have you guys played any? Uh, I played one iPad game. What was it? It was a uh, a Picross or Nonograms uh, game called Paint It Back. Which is, I mean, it doesn't really add much new to the formula, but it's it's got a pretty good interface, and it it does the thing I like, where after you finish solving the puzzle, it, it colors, colors it, in. it in. Yeah, yeah. I think we've we've played that and talked about it a little bit before. I I found it sort of dissatisfying because the puzzles never got very big or hard. Yeah, I wish they had larger than twenty by twenty. I mean, they 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 claim to, but. Like there's some thirty by thirty puzzles, but but they what, break it up into pieces. Right, they're actually yeah. just a series of four fifteen by fifteens. I actually kind of enjoy fifteen by fifteen Picrosses, and I should probably see if any of the Picross programs that I like are available on the iPad because that's big enough to do hmm. ones that oh, big. Yeah, yeah. I always had a problem with any of the iPhone picross ones because once you have to like start zooming in or or moving around once you can't see and interact with yeah, the entire puzzle on one screen i, I just find it impossible to well, just have it scale it out to the so that each pixel is one block sure but then it gets really hard to not get false positives i would like to have you'd have it would have to be like a physical paper poster but i'd like to see one that was like a hundred by a hundred I just feel like that would be impossible to solve unless you really went out of your way. You'd have to do it with pencil. <laughs> <laughs> well, but it would it would have to be designed in such a way like would it I mean the possibility space I mean okay so obviously if it was like 100 100 100 100 0 100 100 100 <laughs> turns out it's just a barcode one, 100 100 100 like you could I could make one that was solvable. Right. But it would be very very easy to make some that were not solvable. I believe there are programs that would tell you whether something is solvable or not. Yeah. Solvable by a computer and solvable by a person are two different things, potentially. Uh... I also very much, I run out of patience for Picrosses once they start requiring trial and error to solve. Oh, yeah. That that should hmm. not be a thing. <clears throat> Pic- Picross should always be you know, concise steps. You should never... Following instructions? Yes, yes yeah. exactly. Following instructions is good for you. It's good for your soul and your yep. heart. It's a good way to learn things. If you want to know you, something, Kevin? find some instructions. Uh, I played a bunch of that Bonza game that you talked oh, about yeah. last week, Riff. Yeah, yeah, me too. That's good. I bought the celebrity puzzle packs, including puzzle pack by John Walker. Yeah, yeah. Paper I Shotgun. bought that pack too. There, some of Did those are that hard. Person that tweeted at him the uh, 
I don't understand why it's not accepting any of these video game genres, and they had just made a bunch of funny, incorrect things oh, no. <laughs> about, like, St. Peter's Simulator. Um, I should talk about this game while I try and track down that tweet. Uh, so, it, the, if, if for people who weren't paying attention last week, uh, it, this is a sort of weird new version of a crossword where they give you... Um, chunks of words and crossed words uh and a genre and then you're supposed to reconstruct them um and sometimes the pieces are as small as just like a single letter and sometimes they're large and a bunch of crossed sort of segments of crossed words and stuff like that um and the it it is not i would not say that these are generally very hard but sometimes they will like sometimes they don't even really give you the category they just sort of give you they say it's a mystery category and it's like they definitely F get harder as blank, you blank. as you get through them like the yeah the, as the packs the packs get get tougher and tougher but having um, some of the categories be mysteries is interesting yeah yeah um uh, i did get stuck on one of the fairly early puzzles and end up having to use a hint just because it oh yeah i don't know if it cuts them up in a defined way if that's a part of the definition of the puzzle or if it just if it gives you the if it is fed the puzzle and then decides how it's going to cut it up um, hmm. I haven't like gone tried to make back to existing puzzles to to see, but um, one of the puzzles had uh, a three word segment that was C U M, and then another one right next to it that was A S S, and I was like, "Huh, <laughs> that's either serendipity or a puzzle designer was very pleased with themselves <laughs> after that." Um, but yeah, it's it's fun. Like I, the 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 one that I I probably had the hardest time on was like game of thrones where i just i've never read or seen any of it so i have no oh. idea and they're like weird nonsense made up words oh yeah so like that's pretty rough but it was it i ended up doing it without having to look anything up like because oh. because they also even made up words are still gonna have like you know consonants and then vowels tend okay. to like sure. go in alternating sequences and stuff like that and you know they sounded kind of like if I just sort of imagined what like an elf would be named in some sort of <laughs> fantasy world that helped on like half of them. So, all right. So the the uh, solutions to John Walker's video game genres was uh, match Thor, lactation, <laughs> macing, arsons, and Saint Peter's simulation. <laughs> Pretty good. Um, uh, I played a game called Puzzix which is another iOS game where it's it's sort of a I don't know like it feels kind of like a a Tetris and match 3 sort of weird child where there are streams of blocks sort of floating down from the top in the background and you can choose any of them to sort of pop into the foreground and fall down on top of your sort of bricks down at the bottom of the screen um the top of every brick uh has some sort of shape and the bottom of every brick in the stream has some sort of shape and and some of them fit together which is sort of the tetrisy bit um and some of them don't and if you drop one that fits together it sort of snaps in and if you have three of those in a row it will eventually disappear but you can you have time sometimes to add a fourth or fifth or sixth onto that stack and then you get more points and sometimes it'll drop out little power-ups that'll like cl clear additional sections of the board. Um, What's creating the pressure to do anything? There is a timer. Um, and then there is also a sort of maximum height bar that is slowly dropping. 
Well, but if you're only if you only ever add pieces when you choose, what is the maximum height? If you stack them up without matching, if you stack them up without matching, it starts a new chunk. Okay. Yeah. What happens if the timer runs out? Does it just, just automatically you, spawn you just one, end. or you just lose? You just end. Yeah. okay. Um, it. I feel like it. It is doing everything right in terms of coming, trying to come up with like sort of a slightly new puzzle genre game, but it just wasn't compelling to me in a lot of ways. Like I played through a handful of levels and it just, it seemed like it was just more and more of the same thing. Nothing beyond Tetris ever really nailed it for me, at hmm. least puzzle wise. I know, you know, columns was a thing that some people liked and, you know, I guess like, I mean, does Bejeweled count? I don't like it. So, hmm. I mean, so no, <laughs> Like okay. I, I, w- I played enough of it to get through puzzle quest, right? Because right. I liked the RPG. Framework. I liked the RPG stuff and it was tolerable, but like, I know some people got into that street fighter puzzle game, which I think was like columns. Well, right? okay. Did you? Oh no, no. That one is the weird one where it's sta- where it's like stacks up bigger and bigger, uh, rectangles of, the same color, and then there's some kind of different piece that will break and score a rectangle that it hits. Did you ever play Drop 7? I never really got into Drop 7. Um, you know what puzzle game I did really like was that Chip... Uh, what was it called? Chip Chain? Chip Chain? Yeah. That's not really a puzzle game, though. You don't think? <sighs> as that- much as Drop 7 is, it is, right? Hmm. I guess... It, those are we- like yeah like, that's true that's true there's a game that i played on uh, my palm pilot uh, f- a lot oh yeah there were two games that i played on the palm pilot a lot one of them was a palm pilot port of uh millburn okay uh which was just fucking great that one i wore out the screen with the stylus in the place where you tap to draw a card cuz i just played the shit out of that um it is a game that I have seen. I'm, I don't know the name. of. Maybe a listener will recognize this and know the name of it. The way that it works is you have a grid that is a fairly small grid. It's like, say, a nine by nine grid. And you have in an easy level, you will have, say, four types of objects that are on the grid. And every turn, some number of them will spawn in random locations. And your move is to take one and move it anywhere that it could go by moving from square to square. Like, so you can't move through other pieces, but you're just moving it to any contiguous space, to any other, any grid square that is contiguous with it in a, in a, in a big contiguous area. And if you get three in a row, it clears them and you get another move where no, random ones spawn mm. and you're just trying to get a certain number of moves i've seen this cleared somewhere other than a palm pilot before so yeah no i mean i think it's it's a kind of game i just don't know what it is called i don't and i don't remember what that one was called and i sold that palm pilot on ebay <laughs> so i can't go play it played a lot of dope wars on the palm yeah pilot. yeah i remember pissing off a friend of mine who like was super proud of her like high score on dope wars and she handed it to me and then like I just happened to get like crazy low cocaine sale and then crazy high purchase price like event things. That's back the problem. To back. 
with Dope Wars is that the way that you get a really high score is to just play it over and over and yeah. over again until you get the right confluence of random events. Yeah. And then I like set this crazy high score and she was super annoyed. that On her Palm Pilot. On her Palm Pilot. Yeah. Pretty good times. I remember thinking people that bought Palm Pilots, like I thought they were just crazy. I was really? like, this, yeah, I was like, this seems so lame to me. I really used mine a lot. It was one of the first times that like as an adult, I mean, cause I like, I had a, I was a guy with a fucking job when it came time to buy that Palm Pilot. And, uh, I remember thinking, I kind of want one of these. This is kind of cool. Cause I had like messed with one that some, I like met this dude at a bar who had one and I was like, Hey, can I play with that? I met this dude at a bar and I was like, Hey, can I play with that? Um, <laughs> And he let me and it was great. I was like, I want one of those for myself. Uh, but then I thought, no, no, I'm going to wait two weeks and see if I still want it before mm-hmm. I go buy one. And two weeks later, I was like, fuck yeah, I still want one. So I went and got it. And then I used I used it all the time. I used it to keep track of my homework assignments. Okay. I, I, used, I used I used a planner. Sure. I used this this thing primarily as a to-do list, but it was a to-do list that was expensive, and so I knew I would not lose it. Sure. And I used it to keep track of people's phone numbers before I had a cell phone. Okay. Because I would also just move to a new town, and I was meeting a lot of people. And I was like, I want to write your phone number down using this weird shorthand that I've learned. I wonder if I still remember that. I wonder if I could still actually input, data. Actually input text into a Palm Pilot. Because it had just like, it didn't really have text recognition. Yeah, you had to learn a right. whole separate You had to learn a little shorthand. There was like a sticker that you could put on the underside of the lid. Sure. Of the Palm Pilot. And that was, you know. Graffiti. Yeah, that was what they called it. Yeah. It was a pretty good device. There was yeah. a lot of software for it. And it was, by and large, free because there was no... Oh, the software was free. Yeah. Unless you, like... There was no app store. Yeah, there was no there was no centralized way to buy software for it. There was no humble widget. I I was able to just sort of hold off for long enough such that the iPhone was like the first real PDA style device I had. And holy crap, did that change my life? Yeah, yeah, same here. Although I wish you would stop kissing it in front of people. It's (laughs) I love it. I don't know what to tell you, man. What else? Bonza? Uh, yeah, so I played, um, at, at, uh, Emily's suggestion, actually, I, I played a game that a friend of hers Kim Kardashian's was, in, Hollywood. was involved in, uh, Europa nine, uh, which is like an alpha version of this, of a game that's similar to, I guess, like SteamWorld dig or oh, I dig yeah. it. Okay. I see. Yeah, um, I played a couple minutes of that. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I played through to the like end of the story arc. It's, it's all right. It's like, it's, it is very much one of those games. It's, it feels a little weird because you're a person and you dig down into like the earth or whatever, but you can just climb back up. There's like no gravity effects in the, in the tunnels and you dig a tunnel to the side and it's only half the height of your sprite, but your head just sort of like goes through the one above. It's, it's a little strange that way. So it's but, not actually down. You, you're. It's as though you're just digging out a flat surface. It's a. It is effectively that, but there is the like stuff gets like as you get deeper, it gets more valuable, and there's like you the, mean as you get further, yeah, further. Yes. 
There is, is there's it a ninety degree to, does gravity affect anything? No. Okay, so then it's, there's no yeah, there's no gravity it's just sideways. You're not you're just not going down. But it, you, what you're you describing going is the down. perspective of like the Legend of Zelda, which is weird thing where the top half of every sprite can overlap things in the background. Like, no, that's not weird. That's just a. But you are going like it. It like narratively, you are digging down, right? Like. It's it. It just has some some like. I also suspect that based on the name Europa, you might not be on Earth. You're not <laughs> when you're doing this digging. Yeah. You're, so you travel Europa, to many planets as part of the game. Gravity actually. is sideways, so you are going down. Okay. But it's as though you were going horizontal on Earth. Uh, and then I think uh, I think it was I forget who mentioned it. Actually, uh, it was talking about a an, an old NES game called spiritual warriors which i had never heard of before and i was super curious about it um it was a game made it was like a, a very sort of it was like a christian organization that made this video game and it is a game all about traveling around and throwing fruit at people <laughs> to get them to like repent and sometimes demons pop out of them which you <laughs> Which you throw, you have to throw other fruit at to get them to stop. Oh, different kinds of fruit. Well, uh, first, you, when you start off, you only have the pears of justice or whatever, um, and then occasionally you encounter an angel who gives you a Bible quiz and gives you like rewards if you get the, an- the answers. What correct. kind of reward? Like an eternal reward or like a- wings and maybe you're okay. collecting these little wings. So like everywhere. mobility upgrades. I, I, didn't notice any upgrades besides you could get additional fruit. Oh, no, you sometimes got a second copy of the fruit, so you could throw two of them at the same time. I did not play for very long. I was just sort of curious about the existence of this game. It's uh, It was kind of Zelda-y. You, you were traveling around a map, and the, like, the screens connected, and there were some sections that you could get to from certain parts, but not from others. It, you know fascinating that these games existed and like just cartridges of these were produced you know i'm guessing that it was one of those weird off-color cartridges that did not have the nintendo seal of quality it might have been so yeah that's that's what i've been playing you know what game came out uh is an extended 25 level version of that terribly named game dinetzel oh yeah uh, the dice net puzzle game oh, d-y-n-e-t-z-z-l-e yeah you can give that guy a dollar and then play a desktop version of that game with 25 levels so it's you know like the original whatever is it, flash is it all version six-sided of it. dice yeah that all just fitting together in yep. weird yeah grids and it's you know it's like it's, a logic puzzle it's the same it's the same logic puzzle a bunch of times in a row it just gets but longer it, is it longer or is it actually, it's harder, right? Because there's like a larger possibility space each time. Well, it adds more and more dice, but it always tells you which six things are a given die, right? So it's it's just a matter of, uh, it, it becomes, yeah, there is a larger possibility space, but there's always like basically one next thing that you know. Is there ever ambiguity such that you could put in two different possible solutions you think i mean there is ambiguity that you then have to uh narrow by solving a different segment of the puzzle Hmm. right because the the, like it they do get more difficult i guess but they are very much it's just the same puzzle it's like basically figuring out how to 
And it's weird. I feel like I don't have any spatial skills, but I can just look at, I can look at an unfolded cube and just figure out what the relationship of all the faces is. That is weird. Just trivially, just trivially. Like it's not difficult at all. That does require some three dimensional brain power, I feel like. Yeah. And so like, I will probably get lost on the way home from the office, but Somehow I can do that. But if the office was just on one face of a cube and oh, the yeah, yeah. No, on another face just unfolded, be I'd be yeah. <laughs> like, Weird. Uh, you just let's need see, a what different else? sort of map. I've been playing. Uh, I've been playing an amount of Hearthstone still, and that amount is about five games of Hearthstone, uh, one for each of the uh, new bosses in yeah. Nax Ramas that came out. Uh, and it's good. They were, they were much easier. I beat all of them with the same deck, uh, that I had made to beat one of the guys in the first quarter. Did you not have any of the like weird purchase problems that people were reporting? No, I bought the entire thing a week ago. I think people have um, just been buying the, uh, them a wing at a time, and I think the second wing had some sort of weird purchase. Yeah, problem. they did. There, there was some lag in the purchase server, and so I think it was mostly people who were buying them with gold. I don't know. If people if, said it also happened with real cash. As oh well. yeah, like it charged them multiple times. Well, it just would charge them and then not. It would like charge them and then not give then unlock it or whatever. They released the uh, in North America. They released the second wing of it at like eleven fifty nine. Like. They they made it so they just barely told the truth about what day it was coming out, just because I think they wanted to avoid the lag problems and the, oh, the login server crashing. Good fucking good on you, Eric. Like, I'm happy that this thing is such a success. Like, if there's that many people trying to get into this thing because of this new thing that, you know, for the most part, I think people paid 20 bucks for. Like, that's a fucking good oh, sign. So the reason people were saying hoard some gold is so that you could buy it without... Without cash. giving them money, yeah. Oh, interesting. So it's like either 700 gold per wing or $20 for five wings. So Interesting. It's, and the first wing is free for like a month. For a week after each release or something, maybe? Uh, I think it's just for a month. It's like during the window, oh, during the sort of launch window, which is either a month or five weeks, depending on whether you count a week after the last one, because <laughs> there are five of them. So if you did one a week, that's a period of four weeks, okay. right? Um, but yeah, it's it's cool. There was a neat... Uh, the class challenges are actually, I think, my favorite part of this because you're fighting against one of the bosses and their custom deck, but it picks your deck for you, hmm. Okay, right? And so the hunter one in this case was the new card that unlocks for the hunter is a thing that's like one mana for a one, one spider that when it dies, puts a random beast card in your hand and the deck that it gives you for fighting this guy to unlock that is a deck that is just a hundred percent that card. So (laughs) you always get one and you can always play it. And when it dies, you get a random beast card in your hand out of all of the set of cards that are beasts. So like the legendary ones, like crazy powerful ones, regular like generic ones it's just random and so it was effectively like first turn throw one of these spiders down second turn throw two of these spiders down and like and however many you could kill that's how many other spells you had to cast it was neat it was just fun weird it also it had the first like significantly different 
boss mechanic of anything there well there were there were actually two one of them one of the bosses has like a passive ability where anytime one of your minions dies it gets a one one skeleton and then he also has a spell in his deck that is kill everything that isn't a skeleton wow. so that was okay cool um but then this other one had like 75 health which is like two and a half times the normal amount of health and I'm like what the fuck are you supposed to do here because he also he also has a hero ability that just does three damage to you which Jeez. he can do that a lot of the time but he has a spell that he casts all the time that destroys one of your minions or, or no, it does one damage to all of your minions, but then creates a spore on his side of the board. And the spore is a zero one creature that when it dies, gives all of your guys a permanent plus eight attack. So you just have to figure out how to get some of those out, get a bunch of get a bunch of monsters out that can attack, kill enough of those spores that just inflate them like crazy to then take out all of his crazy amount of health, which I'm assuming is something to do with the way that that boss fight worked in yeah, I uh, the original Naxxramas. A guy like that but, in Naxx. But that's great. Interesting. This guy was Lothub, I think. Yeah. So there was a, there was the, what, the spider wing? Yeah. And this is the plague quarter, plague. the plague wing. Okay. Cool. I like it. I like there being new cards that I'm probably never going to play with at all. Although, maybe they show up in Arena now. Mm. So that's a thing I haven't done in a while, but a thing that I like doing. I don't know. I like having these single-player challenges in this game, because I don't like playing Hearthstone against other humans because they're too good at it, and I lose, and it makes me sad. I've Every time I've seen you play, you win. So you uh. say you lose, but... Uh, and beyond that, I've still been playing a little bit of Wildstar and a little bit of Fallen London. Spelunky. Oh, yeah. I, I did get kind of back into the Spelunky Daily Challenge. Nothing remarkable happening there, though. I've been I've been continuing to do the Amber Hall's Daily Challenge on probably half the days. Yeah. I found a, I found a bug that lets you uh, get out of sync with the server. Hmm. So. Productively or just annoyingly? It is situationally useful, so it can be productive. Um, but then, like, so you'll score something, and it will register that score when when it turns in. But then, when you watch the if you like watch the replay, which you can do of the top five games, uh, you will often just be dead in the first floor because it's just started doing weird. Like you've started doing things that it doesn't know what you're doing. So, it's super strange. Where where do you tend to end up on the leaderboard? Um, I usually am still on the top five. I mean, I think there are probably like 20 people that are still playing this on any given day. Um, and I am playing real fast and loose because I don't care about it as much as I did when I first started playing with it, where I was trying to actually win every day. So you could dominate it and be the world champion Amber Hall's player if you were paying attention, but you're not paying attention. <sighs> I don't know. I mean, if there was a World Series of Amber Halls, if if it was worth a bunch of money, I would probably potentially spend a bunch more time thinking about it. But like, it's just I, I want something that's going to last five minutes instead of an hour. And you, you know could definitely, be, you know what I would? Well, I would probably not do this because I would know that I would never win it. But if it cost a dollar to play the Spelunky Daily Challenge, and mm. whoever won got half of that money huh that's cool that is that's a pretty good that's pretty good we should make a game that's as good as spelunky so that we can set up a, a <laughs> thing like that get on it 
Any news, gents? Uh, the only thing that I was excited about was that uh, Crypto the Necrodancer was coming out today. But then I realized that it's the early access thing on Steam, which is not as exciting. It's kind of like not being out. Yeah, right? Like, I have not been excited about any early access stuff, because I, I, well, unless I want to see a game in development, which I've yeah. gotten a chance to do because I've just seen this game for, like, a year and a half now. Um I kind of just want to play a finished game. Yeah. That's how I feel about... Um, I just recently found out about Double Fine's new thing, Hack and Slash. Yeah. Which, which came out into early access and, and looks fascinating. And yep. I would love to play it, but I want to play the finished one. <laughs> so what I what I know about that is from talking to some of the guys that that are working on it, they said it is not like typical early access things like basically it is done except for the last dungeon and they don't know how to make the last dungeon hard without getting a bunch of people actually playing it to see what they can do so oh he he acted like it was pretty safe that you would not actually be damaging your experience of playing it by playing it in its current state it's just you'd just be giving them data on how to make the ending of it good Hmm. but that it is all in the state that it is going to be in, except for the parts of it that are just explicitly not done yet and are at the end. It's not like they're going to change fundamental things about it. Interesting. Okay. And you won't have to start over when it finishes, which is the big thing in my right. mind. I really want Sunless Sea to be done so that I can play it. Yeah, they updated it recently, but again, I'd rather wait until it's done. I mean, even I would be content to start playing it for real once actual randomization of the map is in because it, then it is actually the game that I it think is that is one of the things they put in in the well or, or at least like once you get away from the main continent what's out in the outside world is randomized it's so good here's a question the fiction is so good why doesn't why don't i get a notification with something that i voted for on Greenlight gets greenlit or is available to purchase. Hmm. Like that seems like a, a major oversight on Steam's part. I would not want that because I will every once in a while just go in and vote yes on as many green light games as they'll let you as they will let me until I run out of patience for it. Huh. Just because I You want everything that, to succeed? I think that green light sucks and I want everything to succeed. Yeah. Hmm. I have probably voted for 30, 30 or 40 games, but they're all games that I was either genuinely saw on there and thought was interesting or people that I know that, they, that they're trying to get their game green. The thing is, the Greenlight voting process doesn't give me the answer that I want, which is, I would not buy this game, but fuck yes, it should be on Steam. Right. Right? And it's like, would you buy this? But that's not what your vote is saying. That's what my vote is saying, is like, I would probably buy this eventually. So do you just vote no on a bunch of... I just avoid voting on stuff that mm. I'm not excited about because you can go to specific games, yeah, and vote yeah. on them. So, yeah, I just go through the queue and vote yes on everything, which I recognize means that my data is without value. But <laughs> if if, if that's how they're, they're going it. to continue to run this like the way that it works is whatever gets the most yes votes is what gets selected. Mm. Yeah, I've gotten I don't know I've gotten some some raw deals on steam games that i've impulse purchased recently and turned out to be like 
not very good games at all. So I kind of miss the the curation of the Steam store, and I worry that it's going to become as much of a mess as the iOS store. I I just put my games into a wish list and sort of think about them for a long time or get them in the humble bundles or whatever, you know, like that way I don't ever have that sort of regret by buying something impulse. Unless there's a game called impulse, which is probably mm-hmm. some sort of cool space game. I just buy a lot of games and if they're bad, I think, oh, well, and it's fine. I mean. There are worse things to do with $15 than to give it to somebody who made a video game, even if that video game wasn't very good, you know, because I don't generally feel like if I buy a game and the game isn't very good, I don't think that asshole, he set out to defraud me of this $15. (laughs) I think, oh, no, he just made a game and it's not really, you know, it's not the game that it could be or it's not the game that I wanted it to be. But whatever. I just want to support my fellow artists. This assignment, The Secret of Monkey Island, we sort of failed. We sort of failed at our goal, which was to get Kevin to play this game because Kevin only played two thirds of the game. Or Um, half, I guess. Or 42% if the game is being accurate. Oh, yeah. Where where did you start? Where does it say that? It's on the ship. When you save the game, it tells you your percentage. Okay. I'm in I am in part two or act two or mm. that's that's about where I got to because I started I started late and I got to I, I arrived on the beach at the t- the titular island and then stopped because I was out of time. I just watched a speed run. It was yeah. forty minutes. I was gonna I was trying to watch an annotated like this is why this game is great, but it was like two hours and I watched fifteen minutes of it and I was like, I don't really like the guy who's doing mm. this video, so I don't think I'm gonna sit and watch two hours of this. I read a bunch about it. What did you think, Kevin, as a as a newcomer to it? I liked it. I I avoided spoilers, which is probably why I did not get very far because I definitely it just, I think I played five hours to get the forty two percent that I got. Um, I was also trying to make sure that I saw almost all the conversation mm-hmm. options mm-hmm. and that kind of thing. Um, I don't really know what its philosophy is in terms of like whether it locks you out. It of, does. It does. That's yep. good. It locks you out of... You, there are definitely a bunch of things that I had to go back to save states to no, see. No, no, damn it. Don't... If, you know what? You shouldn't play The Walking Dead. <laughs> I don't I don't want to listen to you talking about having played The Walking Dead the way that I think that you're going to do it. It is can just going to make you can't me want save to game, strangle you? you. Right? Like, that's that's a game without save states, or, right? I don't know. I think you just it just has a single save thing that... As you proceed through it, it over, saves over it. So you'll just play it on multiple computers. Yeah, simultaneously. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to need one computer for each possible, like for for the, <laughs> the maximum branch width. So I'm going to need to borrow all of your computers. Okay. Uh, we can play it on all of our computers and all of our phones and all of our tablets. Right. You can play it on everything. Um, the action sequences are going to get really tricky. Uh, I enjoyed the writing quite a bit, um, and the voice acting was pretty good, usually. Mm-hmm. Like, not super awesome, but... Is the voice acting a thing that they added for the special edition? I have yeah, no idea. I believe so, no. yeah. Okay, because yeah, I don't think they ever did a voiced version of it. There was There's one bit where it is sort of oddly not voiced, and then I realized it's because it includes the number of gold pieces <laughs> in 
in the in the text and so they didn't want to have to like figure out how to do <laughs> that so four hundred um, and eight pieces of eight i was confused by a couple things like why okay is the church ever actually used for anything yes or is do you go back to melee island yeah that's end game stuff uh, okay all right so that, that like as it is right now like it's just this place that every single time a game state would change I would go back and check and see if there's anything going on in there. And it, there isn't. Um, I kept checking the back alley to see if there's something new going on there, and there wasn't. Right? Like, the, the, you hear this psst, psst at the very beginning of the game, go back there, and then there's, like, the the sheriff shows up, and then nothing else happens back there until, or, or at all, you know, until you get on the ship, at least. There's nothing. Um I got stuck on like the red herring because uh, I couldn't figure out how to get that bird away from it for a long yeah. time. I had, to, I had um, to look up that one too. I didn't remember how to get that. And then I got stuck. Uh, I had beaten two of the challenges and had not yet found the treasure because I I had come to I convinced myself that the treasure was not actually buried somewhere, but instead was in the safe, and that the map mm. to it was trying to tell me how to unlock the safe. Oh, uh, okay. Because the safe was in- interactable. It was like, I was obviously doing something that was weird. Because if you spin it all the way around, it like resets after four turns. But I could I could get it to reset after like different numbers of turns and stuff like that. And so, uh, it was just, yeah, it was just like a, a frustrating time being like, uh, am I supposed to, is this a puzzle I'm supposed to be able to figure out or not? And then I realized that, oh, wait, you know, this makes a lot more sense if I think of it as directions in space instead yeah. of the one so. the the challenge that i got stuck on was the um uh um well not not the initial challenge but the uh the gathering the crew challenge that i got stuck on was getting to oh. meat hooks island uh because huh. i i had looked everywhere in the voodoo lady's shop except for the object, which is not clearly defined in the art as being an important object. Right. And so I, 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 because so much of the junk in the shop is, is described as, ah, I don't want to touch that. And, and you right. just sort of it's recognize. It's pretty easy to overlook. This, yeah. I just got, got used to the fact that uh, none of these objects in the shop are, are anything, but it turned out one of them was. So, I, um, I really liked the sequence uh, in the governor's mansion. Yes, where, where you like it's just everything is happening sort of off stage. Yeah, that was just them. That was Dave Grossman suggesting that they just do a jokey thing instead of the convoluted puzzle that Ron Gilbert wanted to do. Yeah. in the mansion, and then them just going with that. Because I, it was like it totally subverted what I expected to happen when I went in there. I felt like it was almost a commentary on puzzle games in some way because like you still saw all the like textual descriptions of like what you were doing which was yeah. hilarious and the ridiculous objects pop and yeah and inventory then, and then vanish again yeah like i don't know I, I just thought it was super super clever and glad that they did it um and then i like the sword fighting mini game and i can I totally understand why that has sort of been an iconic thing that people have referenced and talked about because it is a clever uh, puzzle and it's funny and the content is good mm-hmm. and i did so in the non-special edition do they tell you when you 
when you probably can beat the Swordmaster. Yeah, the, yes. guy, the guy will say, wow, I bet you're strong enough to face the Swordmaster or something. The game, like the game itself said, you have, enough in, you have enough insults now where you could beat the Swordmaster, but you need to win some more fights. Huh. And I didn't understand why it told me that. Because you can beat the Swordmaster, but you're not, like, guaranteed to, yeah. right? I guess. Which is sort of the way that our shitty half-ass homage to it in KOL works. Right. Um, the... So those insults were written by Orson Scott Card, apparently. So we really? learned that on it. <laughs> yeah, because he was active. Like, he worked on Loom some, too, I think. Huh. He was in the credits of Loom. Fascinating. Um, I don't remember. You can probably go back to an audio recording of me talking about making this discovery that I have since forgotten. But, uh, yep, I learned that. Um, looking at a grid of all of them, they of don't the all insults. work quite as well as the best of them yeah like the ones that i would like i i fought her once lost before i had quite figured out what the mechanic was and then was like oh i either clear i clearly need to get some more insults or whatever and then getting getting a new comeback from a pirate and being like oh i know i immediately know which which of the the um master swordsman insults this is like matching with like some of them are like uh, super obvious and some of them are like uh, i guess this might work and trying those and like sometimes it would work and sometimes it wouldn't and like or sometimes i was right and sometimes i was wrong and like i mean it was very hard to write more of those yeah right Right. because they (laughs) i think they kind of ran out of steam that was what i discovered at kol is those aren't it's not easy to write a uh, to to write two insults with the same comeback yeah and that obviously read as the same comeback from a list of possible comebacks yeah but i mean it's fine you don't lose anything by failing a little bit of time i guess which really is all you have uh i learned from this trivia site i have a list of trivia that i've printed out about this this was apparently uh one of the first or if not the first game where LucasArts had decided specifically like we don't want the player to die like you can die if you sit underwater for 10 minutes yeah oh is that (laughs) yeah so that like Like, because he says I can hold my breath for 10 minutes and it starts a 10 minute timer that is invisible yeah so you will die after 10 minutes and your verbs get replaced with float bloat and buy hint book (laughs) (laughs) nice um which is pretty good. But also you can't except in cases where there are bugs or things that you would never do, like spend all of your pieces of eight in the grog machine one at a time. It only let me do one. Well, they might have fixed this. Uh, you can't get the game into an unwinnable state. Huh. Okay. Like that was uh, just a thing that they decided. And then that kind of became a hallmark of LucasArts games after that. Because you was could, like, like was this like Ron Gibbert's first pitched game because he was in his he he maniac mansion i think it might have been the first one that he was like the lead okay um because there was i I recently somebody tweeted out the like the cover of the like pitch document from the 80s that they made and it was just like looking up how old they were and they were in their early 20s and tim schaefer and dave grossman were just were like junior programmers at that time wow and while they were coding stuff, they were just writing just goofy 
placeholder stuff that they it wasn't intended to be final right it was just like scratch dialogue and stuff but then he liked it and so he was like yeah you guys should write the dialogue wow that's awesome yeah like goofy placeholder text became the real text and sort of launched a bunch of careers that's Um, super super awesome so this was as opposed to the way the maniac mansion and zach mccracken worked the cutscenes in this were triggered by specific progress that you made rather than on a timer. Um, And I was curious how you felt about this because you and I got into a lot of arguments about word realms when I wanted to do this very common LucasArts thing of, I mean, the reason like sort of Ron Gilbert invented the word cutscene, right? For Maniac Mansion, because it cut away from the player's point of view and showed the villains or something else somewhere in the house so that there could be some characterization of people that the player hadn't met in this game when that would happen. Yeah, I found it pretty jarring. It's That's weird. I don't, I'm not surprised. It's just consistency on your part. I mean, they go. they had to go out of their way with the, like, meanwhile intercard to explain that they were suddenly showing you something else far away and i would still argue that they didn't have to go out of their way for that because almost no one on earth is confused Mm. when it suddenly shows a guy in a different place like okay how i forget where you land on this debate riff um i I think that by default sides of the argument by default a movie is allowed to cut to a new place and show you some characters that you haven't met before and people find it confusing all the time huh i mean it It has to be constructed very carefully for you to uh, to have the sort of i mean narrative flow right because you could just if you if you literally just showed a bunch of different stories it can be done badly but it can also be done perfectly well i feel Yeah, I mean, having a point of view is fine if that, that, like, having a point of view that cuts between different people and scenes, like, you know, like, love actually is fine, right? And all of those stories are connected, but it doesn't really matter. You're just getting, you just know you're getting a bunch of different, like, sure. And it has hundreds of abrupt cuts, sure, to different points of view, and it's fine. Yeah. The problem that I have with that in a game where you have agency is you, like, what kind of explanation do you have for having this other knowledge, right? Like, if you're not like looking in a crystal ball or something and seeing something some happening someplace else. Does it bother you that you can see things that are on the opposite side of a tree from your character? Like, does it bother you that when your character is looking to the left... You can still see things that are on the right side of the screen. No, but that's not the exactly. same kind of thing. It is thing. exactly the same thing. No. Like, if something happens out of sight of your character, but within sight of the camera. Like, it seems to me like objecting to a cutscene that goes somewhere else to, say, introduce and characterize a villain is exactly the same thing as objecting to the fact that there's a camera. Like... It's not explained. Like, how do you know who, who the fuck? Who the fuck? I who the fuck's eyes am I? Who is this asshole who is spying on me? <laughs> who am I? Who am I that's spying on this guy? And why do I have control over him? Like, 
Guy I feel Bush, like in order, out. in order to be confused by a movie cutting to the bad guy's office while the bad guy is introduced and tells you what his plans are for destroying the good guys, like, to say that you're confused by that is just disingenuous. Wow. I honestly I honestly believe that and I it's I, I should try to find some some good examples of movies that people have like I have had conversations with people and they're like yeah I didn't understand who those people were at first or what was going on like like I've had those kinds of conversations right because they like there were movies where the the cutting was not done in a way where you understood what was happening right like I mean I can I can see that if like you just, without saying anything, you cut to last year in this exact same room, this happened, mm-hmm. and you didn't explain it, but no one ever does that. Like, I don't know. To me, a story, a video game, a movie, a whatever, the perspective is omniscient narrator unless otherwise specified. Unless it's like a first-person game or something. Yeah. And even then, like, I feel like you just... You're not... You're only getting little snippets of... I mean, it's not omniscient. Right? Do you know what I mean? Like... Yeah, yeah, in that you cannot literally see everything all at once. Yeah. Yes, but that is also just a... That also just feels like a shitty niggle. I don't... You know, like, we have a lot of arguments... We have a lot of, like, consistent, like, say, decade-long running <laughs> arguments about stuff where I honestly am kind of trying to be an asshole and just being argumentative for the sake of being funny or whatever. But this is one where I genuinely cannot, I cannot understand your perspective. And I'm, it's like... I'm going to have to keep an eye out for situations where people actually get confused. I mean, like, say every Shakespeare play ever. Right does not have the perspective of a character. Sure. It willy-nilly cuts from scene to scene. And I agree that a lot like a lot of a lot of sort of film and plays and TV and stuff like that isn't coming from the point of view of a single protagonist, but when when something is coming from the point of view of a single protagonist, that's when it becomes the most jarring to suddenly switch to a new point of view and especially if you don't do it early on in the presentation of the work right this, like this does though this this cuts to lechuk and shows you relatively early relatively early and also i don't think of this game as being from the point of view of threepwood because really? you, why can you see his back it's from his point. no uh, seriously <sighs> like it's from the point of view of you the player like represented in the world by a camera. Well, okay, I, I agree with you that you are technically correct. Like, you are still meant to be inhabiting the character, and it's it's like the technical limitations of the medium that are causing you to be able to see the backsides of the trees and the back of your character and stuff like that. Yeah. It's not... I, mean, I don't guy, think it's the... Guybrush is the, the only character that you that you hear his thoughts. He's the only character that speaks directly to the camera. I think that's probably not true, actually. Mm. I. It's very hard for me to imagine... 
that they there, didn't ever have any is, other character there is doing this a side. weird voice that comes on that's like meanwhile or hours later or whatever like there is there is an, a narrator in this story which is also a little weird yeah i mean whose voice was telling you the credits right <laughs> i mean it's yeah. i'm serious like yeah, no totally it's, I, I agree with you there this is a real question like how do you know what the title of this game is there isn't like a ghost ship moment where well, it's all the it's all the tms comes on and everybody and says speech. i'm off to discover the secret of monkey island tm I mean, this isn't this isn't like you know this isn't action castle yeah i yeah I don't think it is technical limitations that make it so you can see stuff that's on the other sides of walls from the main character. I think it's that it would be crazy if you tried to actually do, like, if it was from the perspective of the player, of the the character, it would have to be a first person game. Like well, well, Doom right. is from the perspective. That's that's what I'm saying. They're, they're not Space making Marine a first person guy. game. They're making a 2D. They're making a third action. person game. It is a it is a third person point and click adventure. Like third person, that is the perspective, right? So it is not from the perspective of the first person, or what would be called first person. Like, if this was a book, it would not say, like, it is not, I did this, I did this, I did this. What you are seeing on the screen is a movie of this guy doing this. He did this, he did this, then he did this. And when that is the perspective of a work, it is entirely okay for the storyteller to tell the reader stuff that the main character doesn't know. What he didn't realize was that the beer was poisoned. And then you show him getting poisoned because it would be crazy to try to tell a story like with these artificial constraints on what like you are severely limited in the kind of story that you can tell if you are only telling a story that can be reconstructed based on the specific knowledge and perceptions of a person. Correct. So the default for stories is that you don't do that. Because it's easier. What's not easier, it's just different, and it's different in a way that's way broader, and you can tell way more stories and do a better job of it. Uh, the better job is not necessarily true, right? Like, there are some amazing stories that are amazing in part because they are, you only get knowledge from the point of view of a particular character. Sure, there are, but if you want to, say, characterize a person that the main character never meets, if you want to describe and make the player aware right. well, so that, of someone who the main character never meets, sure, you need to be able to step outside the main character's perspective in order to be able to do that. Yes. I, I'm not. I'm not disagreeing with you. And, other, and if it's the kind of thing where at the end of the game, you as the main character are going to meet LeChuck and you just don't know anything about him other than what you've heard, I think it loses a lot. Like, if you don't get to see him being an asshole, you don't derive any satisfaction from beating the asshole. You know, unless the twist is that, oh, all of these things that you you were just misinterpreting all of these things because of your flawed individual human perception. Right. I mean, that that's one thing you could do, I guess. Anyway, cutscenes. Yeah. They're called cutscenes because they <laughs> cut away from the player's perspective. That's what that means. That's what a cutscene means, according to the guy who 
coined it. Huh. That's interesting. And that, I mean, there, there, people were talking, like JP LeBreton was talking about this a little bit on Twitter. Like the implication of the word cutscene is that it does not involve the main character. That's weird. I did not, I did not realize that. And I would, I would definitely say that there were things that I would have characterized as cutscenes in this that. Oh, well, sure. There were times when you lose, totally you lose control of the character. I mean, it's. Yeah. Well, like the, like the stealing the idol scene that we were talking about. Right. But he's, he's there, right? Like there is definitely a categorical difference between like fade out. It says, meanwhile, you watch a conversation between people who aren't you versus even though like you're not technically on screen, it's still pointing at the wall behind which you are. Right. And it's the well, scene. But that, is, did, about is that not considered a cutscene? I guess is what we're saying. Yeah. I'm, I don't know. I think that Ron Gilbert would not have called it a cutscene. It's got the same sort of narrative functional units unitness. Well, it doesn't move. I mean, it depends on whether you. It has the same like technical so aspects, the, the part right? Where you get captured by the sheriff, and you're on the dock, and he knocks you into the water. I don't think you get any choices in that whole section. Sure. And it cuts. It cuts from the mansion to underwater. Where where you're you're sort of involved in any decision making, um, and that that to me seems like it would be a cut scene, but maybe it would not. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, in between the time that you click open this door and the animation finishes playing, you don't have control over what he's doing until that thing is done, but you wouldn't call that a cutscene. You would just call it an animation, right? I, I think at a certain point, in, intent has to enter into it. The intent of the of the author? Yeah, like whether this is a cutscene. Are we cutting away to show something else, or is just this an interactive, a non-interactive sequence? Huh. Like... Are you like, cause I don't think that he would refer to those things as cutscenes, right? I think that he would refer to the cutting away to show a different scene as a cutscene and the other stuff as just extended animations that are playing. Man, that's a weird distinction to me. But I, I think that it's not weird. It's is the player involved in this or not? If not, well, is so the player is not involved. The character. The player character. Okay. So, like... I mean, you can pretend to not understand the distinction that I'm drawing. But Is like, your guy on the fucking screen? Yes or no? If yes, it's a different thing than if no. Because that's a super important, super crisp and clear delineator for these things. Okay. Right. I mean, fu- functionally, they're, they're, it's not so obvious, I feel like, but... Right. Like in both cases, you're you, the player are being presented narrative. Sometimes your characters involved, sometimes they're not. But like you've you've been making a whole point that like it shouldn't matter whether or not your character is involved because you should be able to just have narrative bits from the the like third person omniscient narrative or whatever. And there are there are situations where. I feel like there are games where it cuts away from your main character and you get t- to control a subs- like a 
a secondary agent in some other scene for a little while. And then it goes back to your main character. Right. And that like, what are those called? Those aren't, I mean, granted any place where you're having interactions are probably not considered cutscenes, but like, like that is also a weird functional game unit, right? Like I think in terms of their function in the story, a non-interactive scene in which your character exists and is aware of the things that are going on is categorically different than one where they're not right like a scene where you see LeChuck and not Guybrush is a scene that is being done for the player's benefit right and does not actually change the state for Guybrush a scene with Guybrush in it is this is a thing that happened to Guybrush and now I know this and Guybrush knows this like Apparently there was a whole uh, ship-to-ship combat segment that was supposed to take place in the otherwise extremely short Act 2 huh. uh, that just got cut huh. for disk space or time constraints. I mean, I was... I, I mean, I don't, Again, I don't know how that section resolves yet, but I was, I was able to fire the cannon and stuff, right? Like, that's a thing that you can do. Yeah, I think that you have to fire yourself out of the cannon to get to... I... It didn't let, like I tried to do that and it wouldn't let me, but I guess I'm not to the point where that makes sense to do that. There's yet. A, sort of an extra puzzle you have to make the fuse longer so that you have time to light it and then get into. Huh. Oh. I, I was. Huh. I that, didn't do that. I think. Oh, I might have just misinterpreted it. Yeah. But you have to make some kind of potion or some shit. I don't know. I was watching a speed run. <laughs> I remember doing it sort of. I remember that section, but I remember it being really short and really adventure gamey. But it's forgivable that it's so adventure gamey because there aren't that many rooms. <laughs> right. You know, so there's not a lot of just aimless wandering trying to figure out the next thing to rub against the next thing. Plus, I mean, this is such a an early game in the adventure gamey genre, so it it's sort of it has that Casablanca problem where where motifs and, and cliches that people are used to in these things weren't actually at the time because this is one of the originators. The, the ad for Loom inside the game was kind of funny. Good yeah. old Cobb. Yeah. And the, like the, the conversation with the dog was pretty great. Yeah. <laughs> there was supposed to be a... I, one of my actual notes that I wrote on playing, playing, looking at this was, I found the close-ups of the characters to be just really distracting and kind of grotesque. Really? The the conversations where it shifted to the like yeah. over the shoulder look. Yeah, just because it they were so different hmm. in close-up than they were in the sort of cartoony pixelated abstractions that they were down below and their their personalities were so much more sort of evident when they were animated. And I mean, I think partially that's just because like Steve Purcell is a good animator, but like the words that they were saying and the movement that they were engaging in was way more powerful as characterization than those gross paintings of gross faces. <laughs> um, hmm. Yeah, I don't know. I didn't. I have not been bothered by any of the close-ups at all. It just seemed out of place. It didn't add anything, and I wish that they had taken the space that was taken up by those things and added more, more adventure game, more puzzles, more dialogue, more game. You know, I'm trying to remember if any of the, there's any of that like weird shift in 
viewpoint in any of the Sierra games. Like there's, I definitely remember like Leisure Suit Larry having like close-ups of babes and stuff like that, but I can't remember if there was any of that in Space Quest or King's Quest or whatever. Space Quest, I don't think that there was because that's got a very in media res start where you just come out of the closet. Right. Um, Space Quest 2, I think in the beginning of it, you see Vohal hmm. like plotting his nefarious plan to deploy insurance salesmen everywhere. And then eventually you go to that place. Um, and you get shrunk and you go inside his life support system. But I think you have seen it at a distance. And I don't think that your character was there for that. Huh. But I might be wrong. No, I'm sorry. I'm just talking about the, the shift in, like, not point of view, but viewpoint. Like, the, the like, from a distance. Oh, like overhead game. map versus... Yes, or versus the like character portrait thing. Oh, oh, sorry. Oh. I, I realized only, I only realized halfway through you having that discussion that you, we were talking about two different things. Huh. There must be. I just don't remember them. Like I can remember them from Leisure Suit Larry, but I can't remember them in any of the like King's right, Quest. The, the, the King's Quest, like there was occasionally like a book or something that you would see taking up the whole screen or something. Yeah, but I, I, you're right. I don't remember at least in the like EGA era games. I don't remember there being like full screen portrait close ups of people, except in Leisure Suit Larry when it was just so I could show you some boobs. Right. Like, but not even really. You never even there was actually no nudity in the first Leisure Suit Larry. There was a very small amount of nudity in the third one. <laughs> they felt like they had enough traction that they could. I think there finally... were some eight by eight boobs in a <laughs> very early on. I remember you looking through a telescope and seeing a woman changing inside huh. a window. And depending on how well you had answered the questions about the Beatles <laughs> that demonstrated your age, determined how. High, how raised up the shade was how interesting so like it was either you didn't see anything at all except like a midriff or you would you would see like three frames of boobs or you would just see the entire scene huh if you had demonstrated that i guess if you're like 40 you can probably handle <laughs> looking at some eight by eight pixel boobs for three or four seconds that's such a great age verification stuff just facts that you would know if you were old enough are you old enough or a dork or are your parents in a different room and will answer questions? Right. <laughs> Mom. Yeah. Teach was, me about the Beatles so I can see some boobs. Who was Nixon's <laughs> vice president? <laughs> Pretty good. All right. Well, this was fun. Yeah. What are I we didn't even play it and I've gotten more out of this assignment than I do out of most of our episodes. What's the next uh, thing we're going to play? I think we're just going to play Crypt of the Necro Dancer because we're going to be doing it anyway. Yes. And we'll see. We'll see. Uh, I think maybe what we'll talk about is early access. Is it bullshit? Probably. <laughs> uh, this has run a little long and the band next door is playing uh, vivaciously. Yeah, I wonder if you can hear it at home. Uh, you should you let can. us know. <laughs> um, so rather than doing listener's mail, we should probably just 
tell the listeners how they would send us listeners mail and we'll do listeners mail next time they could tweet us at vg hot dog they could email us vg at gmail.com or they could go to our website videogameshotdog.com where there's an awesome web form that you can send spam to or ask us questions gentlemen i've had a fantastic time recording this episode episode number 163 of video games hot dog with you and i hope we do it again real soon yeah have a great week everybody good night This assignment, I gotta pee. (laughs) (laughs) That's a fascinating assignment. Yeah. It's like it's the follow-up to Don't Shit Your Pants. Yeah. (laughs)